It's now time for Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. It began as a podcast, went live on the net, and transformed into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous, my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious, I want your heart. And we're coming to you live from the Billy C. Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagero, and it's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. Whenever you're watching, whenever you're listening, I hope you're doing okay today. Yes, and we're back. Today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant located on St. Simon's Island in Georgia. Check out the website, www dot sal's neighborhood pizzeria.com we'll give my man a call 912-268-2328 912-268-2328 find out why i go all the way to saint simon's for an authentic italian meal today's show is also being brought to us in part by the holiday inn and all their properties that's right if you've got to travel someplace and you need to stay make sure you stay at a holiday inn property my favorites holiday inn resorts and of course the holiday inn express because after a great night's sleep at Holiday Inn Express. I feel smarter. You can get a Billy C. discount if you stay there. Hey, now you got all the reasons to stay. Just call our toll-free number, 844-603-0364. That's 844-603-0364. Or if you're like me and can't remember phone numbers, then just visit our website, billycboxing.com, and click on the uh, Holiday Inn banner. It's right there uh, on the right-hand side. And don't worry you will get the discount if you go that way, too. And today's show is being brought to us in part by my book, Tom Molino, From Bondage to Baddest Men on the Planet, is available right now where all good books are sold. And you can get a copy of this book right now while you're watching or listening to this show. All you got to do is visit barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. If you're looking to get a signed copy, don't worry about it. We'll hook you up. Just visit the website, billycboxing.com, and click on the book. You want more than one copy? You want to give them away as gifts? I love you. Just drop me an email directly, and I'll hook you up with special pricing. Billy at Talkin' Boxing. T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G dot com. Um, been out for uh, uh, a while. Uh, we took uh, some time off, but it's uh, uh, good to be back. Uh, some things... Uh, uh, never changed, though. Uh, so coming up uh, on the show a little bit uh, later, we got uh, the fight results from uh, the weekend. I got the heavyweight spotlight. I got a whole bunch of emails I want to read. I got some news uh, and updates that uh, we will get to. If uh, I want to get to all the emails today. Uh, so if we don't get to uh, some of the updates, we'll get to them tomorrow. Uh, Dax Khan will be joining us a little bit later to get his thoughts on the fights from the weekend. Uh, but first, I want to kick off the show with some updates on uh, the fight that is still on everyone's uh, minds and lips when I uh, talk boxing. And that, of course, is uh, the heavyweight, uh, potential heavyweight showdown 
between Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua. Um, you know, I, I, we've been out for a little bit, and uh, you know, been I've been monitoring the scene, and and uh, when we were last, when we did our last show, uh, what had taken place was that uh, the contract, if you recall, Deontay Wilder once again shooting off his mouth, uh, wants a contract, wants a contract, wants a contract. Um, Eddie Hearn, who uh, you know is the mouthpiece for Anthony Joshua, says you'll have a contract on Friday. Uh, as of our show on Monday, uh, the contracts uh, had not been signed. Uh, apparently, the contracts did not arrive uh, until uh, uh, that weekend. I, I think by the time we aired on Monday, uh, it was confirmed um, that uh, um, Deontay Wilder uh, did indeed uh, get the contracts. As a matter of fact, I have a uh, uh, an article that was written uh, on the L.A. Times from the uh, from the L.A. Times. It appeared in the L.A. Times on Monday, a week from a week ago today. That said, it confirmed that Deontay Wilder did indeed receive the contract from Anthony Joshua, but it said that according to Deontay Wilder and his team. They were mulling it over. I, I, you know, when I read this, I was like, I may never go back to this show. You know, mulling it over. This is the same guy who has been putting out, uh, you know, all these videos and, and, and accusing uh, Anthony Joshua of ducking him. And, and then they, they said, oh, well, we got, uh, we, we are agreeing to the term, send us a contract, which all last uh, week uh, or the prior week, uh, I, I was saying, you know, I've never heard in a million years how you can negotiate a deal without having a contract in front of you. So nonetheless, he gets the contract and then he has to mull the offer. And as of today, a week later, he still hasn't confirmed that he's going to take the fight. Joining me right now from St. Simons Island to get his thoughts on his hero, um, Deontay Wilder, is Sal Rocky Senecola. Um, he's mulling over the offer. Sal, are you as disgusted with this as me or what? It's frustrating. <clears throat> you know, I thought it was signed, sealed, delivered. But uh, I guess mulling it over means that, uh, you know, we are considering. Uh, but, uh, I, Bill, I, you know, it's, it's the rhetoric you hear in the media. I think, uh, I think it's a lot further along than what, what, uh, what the mulling over suggests. And um, that's just my vote of, vote of confidence and. The, the minds that are putting this fight together have to realize for a multitude of reasons that this fight's got to take place. It, it, it makes the most sense for any anything in boxing in the heavyweight division for the near future. And that's why I think this fight needs to be, take place before the end of this year. Uh, my point here is that... I'm that I, over. I mean, uh, yeah. I, I, because when you when you go back and we, we follow, uh, backtrack, all of the, the dialogue... Uh, and, oh, and I'm not even talking about dialogue between the two, serious dialogue between the two teams, because a lot of that, like you suggest, most likely is being done behind closed doors, et cetera, et cetera. But the dialogue alone coming from the big mouth, chest pounding Deontay Wilder, and then to come back and, and, and say, we want it, we're taking it, we're taking it. We're, you know, we'll fight in the UK, we'll take the fight, we'll take the fight, we'll take the fight, send us the paperwork. 
I was critical of Eddie Hearn for taking a week to get the paperwork together. Okay, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to back down on my stance there. Um, but then once the paperwork is there, you would assume that the parties just need to put their pen to the paper and send it back. Why a whole nother week goes, uh, you know, uh, they already accepted it. Why do they need several days to decide if they're going to answer it or not? Uh, send the contract means they're going to sign it. I, I don't understand. Then yesterday, out of England, uh, Eddie Hearn, the mouthpiece for Anthony Joshua, had a uh, uh, an interview with Sky Sports, and he said the following. He says, I can't quite make out whether people are lying to Deontay about the negotiations or he is just completely delusional. He has now had the contract in his hands for over a week. We're getting calls from the WBA on a daily basis asking us what's happening. And this is concerning the uh, mandatory title defense that the WBA is requiring of AJ to fight Alexander Povetkin. He says uh, there's absolutely zero urgency from Deontay and his team other than posting silly Instagram videos. The proof is in the resumes. And at this stage, I believe Deontay and his team don't want this fight. If Wilder doesn't sign to face AJ, then Joshua is simply going to make a mandatory WBA defense against Povetkin. That's not a bad fight. I feel like I have to keep saying that. But it would be a big disappointment for a lot of people who want to see Joshua Wilder happen now instead of waiting it instead of waiting for it to marinate any further. Sal, and that's the end of the quote. Sal, I couldn't, as a matter of fact, I think I've said those exact words. I mean, there is no <laughs> reason to. from you. Yeah, I, I, I really don't think there's any reason to marinate. And quite honestly, as much as I got really frustrated with uh, Eddie Hearn and, and Anthony Joshua last week, I, I got to believe that the only stumbling block right now uh, has to be Deontay Wilder. I don't see, and, and listen, and I also agree with Eddie Hearn, by sending out silly Instagram uh, posts and, and mime videos and and I'm going to do this, I gotta, I'm gotta, i going to kill somebody in the ring. You know, all this stupid stuff. Uh, you know, that it's time to shut up and, or put put up or shut up, really. I mean, there's, there's nothing else to say in my opinion. Your thoughts, please. Well, I can't go against what you're saying because this is something that's, like I said, when they finally said, "Hey, we're gonna get this and make this fight happen," it's 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 like they recognize the value, the significance of this fight, and that uh, this is what the fans want. This is what the boxing media world wants, and you know, let's get it on, as Mills Lane used to say. But the bottom line is, we we don't need all the rhetoric and all the bull and all the hoopla. We know what's at stake. We know what's at hand. Sign the contract. You got a deal in place, and and get it on. And uh, so it's it's very frustrating. Yes, and I I agree with you one hundred percent. And like I, I I said, not to be uh, looking through uh, star spangled uh, glasses, but the bottom line is this this should just happen one morning. Wake up, then boom, it's done. And that's where I thought we were uh, when we took the break last week. And uh, here we are. You know, still, still filling in the voids and the holes, and looking for uh, be people being more proactive than reactive, and and that's 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 the frustration right there. And Deontay Wilder is now uh, saying that this contract's not 
what he agreed to verbally or what what's happening or why he's not signing it. I'm not suggesting that's what he's thinking or suggesting or, or saying. But the bottom line is this is something that should have been already signed, sealed, and delivered. So it's very, very frustrating to the to the casual fan, the the, the in-depth fan, and, and the whole boxing world because they this is something that really should be uh, a priority. Listen, you know, uh, going to bed – and, and waking up and, and seeing everything all done. That reminds me of when my kids were five years old and they were waiting for the tooth fairy. They were waiting for the tooth fairy to come. You know, they lose a tooth, they put it under their pillow, and they magically wake up and there's some coin under there. Um, you know, the truth of the matter is, is, you know, all of the... You see, I referred to this a couple of weeks ago about the boy who cried wolf, right? Yeah. The story about the... If if you if any of you guys never read it, and a lot of you young people probably didn't, but uh, you should go and check it out. It was a, it's actually a children's story uh, geared for young adults. But anyway, um, this is what's happening now. And if Deontay Wilder has the, uh, I, if he's so, I'm just going to say it the way I feel. If Deontay Wilder is this stupid, where he's going to come on and start to say. Uh, you know, oh, he's scared of me. He's ducking me. He don't want this fight. I, it, it's 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 all BS. You know, uh, they played their game. It worked. All right. Let's give him credit. It worked. All right. Because we we all thought that that Deontay Wilder should have taken the twelve and a half million guaranteed offer. We all criticized Deontay Wilder at the time, you included. And and then it, it seemed that his little plan, his calling out, his his badgering, if you will of Anthony Joshua worked. And what happens? They they apparently go to a, a negotiation table. Uh, they hash some things back and forth over weeks and weeks and weeks, which, again, um, you know, the sense of urgency, the, the term that Eddie Hearn used, I agree with. There, there should be a sense of urgency to make this fight. And both of these guys are dragging their feet. Um, I believe that Deontay Wilder is actually hiding behind the WBA's mandatory uh, of Alexander Povetkin facing Anthony Joshua. As soon as Anthony Joshua has to sign that fight, because time she's a-wasting, then we're going to hear from Deontay Wilder. See, he's scared. He doesn't want to fight. We all know that the sanctioning bodies dictate at certain points during the year who their champions fight. Whether we agree with those fights or not, that's neither here nor there. So in my opinion... Uh, Deontay Wilder came out through a mouthpiece called Shelly Finkel and two weeks ago said, we want it, we'll take it, send us the contracts, which again, I'm going to reiterate that I thought was BS, that there were no contracts in front of them to uh, to sign and send back. Um, but nonetheless, and I also will reiterate that uh, I was totally against Eddie Hearn taking a week to get those contracts to Deontay, but nonetheless, he had them. And now it's been a whole nother week since they were signed. There's no sense of urgency. I'm telling you, Sal, that the, what we're going to see, which I don't think is a smart business move for either fighter, we are going to see uh, Deontay Wilder fight Dominic Brazil, and we're going to see Anthony Joshua fight Alexander Povetkin. And then if, and that's a big if, because I would not be shocked if these two guys don't ever meet. Uh, this fight will take place in 2019. 
that's what I think is going to take place. I've said it all along. Um, even though financially I think it's a mistake, uh, even if you lose this fight, the money that's uh, uh, there to be made is humongous. And should either one of these guys lose these next fights that they're going to have, a lot of that money gets flushed down the toilet. You are so correct. And that right there is why I would assume that these guys would, would get their act together and realize that, hey, this is how we can maximize our, our purses and uh, fight for the most money and, and minimize the risk of, of, of us uh, not ever meeting in the ring. So I, I, I don't understand why they do not see the common sense about what they need to do as far as just put this fight together and make it the next fight for each of these guys. Uh, it's very frustrating, as I said. You know, it, they could have their Dominic Brazils or Pervekian and this and that. And, you know, if, if all goes as they would anticipate going, if they win, yeah. But it's still, you know, the risk. The risk versus the reward. If one of them, like I said, it could happen. A training injury, a bad cut, a broken hand. There's so many variables that need to be addressed when they take a chance and roll the dice along that line. Uh, the bottom line is they have it loud and clear right in front of them to, to give to the fans a fight between these two without without dancing around the ring and avoiding the, the, the inevitable. You know, people say to me about, you know, my hang-up with Wilder and all this stuff, and, and the biggest hang-up I have is the fact that he – Pounds his chest and says he's the best. Says everybody's uh, they're scared. They're scared of me, you know. And and the truth of the matter is, is the ball's in his hands. You know, I, I would I, listen for anybody that's going to say, "Oh, Eddie Hearn is full of it. He's lying. He didn't send a contract." That's such a scam. I, I you know I really feel sorry for any young fan out there, especially fans of Deontay Wilder, that believe Deontay Wilder's BS. Now. In De Deontay's defense, this could clearly be a case of his team making the decisions for him and he really wanting this fight. Whatever the case is, Sal, how many times have I asked you and how many times have you said that at the end of the day, what gets a fight to be made? <laughs> Both fighters saying, hey, I want to fight you. Yeah, I'm going to fight you. And it, it's the, the desire. If two fighters want to meet in a ring and fight each other, it's going to happen. And everything else falls into place and follows as they lead. And that's what I'm saying. They lead. They're proactive. They do it. Do you think You think the fighters that we, we loved and the big fights that we saw, the mega fights we saw in the 80s, uh, happened because a promoter wanted to put it together? No, these guys were the badasses of the boxing world. They wanted to prove they were the badasses of the boxing world. So you have a Leonard fighting uh, a Hearns or a Hagler and a Duran doing the same. I mean, we, we we saw it happening right before our eyes. It unfolded. And it was it was almost just, just like on autopilot. We saw the greatest talent in the world that the boxing world had to offer at that time in all the weight classes challenge one another to give the fans what they wanted. The best fighting the best. And 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 that should still fold and fall into suit, but it's not. You know, sometimes people will criticize me about being an Anthony Joshua fan over a Deontay Wilder. And, and I don't have anything against uh, Deontay Wilder from a personal uh, point. Um, but I, the reason I, I like Anthony Joshua as a fighter 
is because he's old school in a sense. You know, he he he'll talk a little smack in front of the cameras for for you know entertainment, but he he clearly is controlled with it. And his attitude is, I'll let my performance in the ring speak for myself. And, you know, I respect fighters that do that. There's not much you can argue with a guy like that. There's not much you can, uh, you know, criticize when a guy does what he does in the ring and gets the job done. Deontay Wilder is trying to accomplish things outside of the ring and be respected for things he's done inside of the ring. And it doesn't work like that. And, you know, Deontay Wilder has put pressure on himself. Now, I have said many times that one of the reasons uh, I I believe he had to take that route is because he signed on with a a terrible team that does not promote him and they don't take care of him the way they should, et cetera, et cetera. So he's had to take matters in his own hands. Now, when you get to this point and how long it's dragged on and some of the things he has said, uh, all of a sudden now you're at a you're at a you're out of content. I mean, uh, the truth of the matter is is it's time to fight. And his silence and everything speaks volumes. You know, a guy pounding his chest, saying he's the best, saying everyone's scared of him. You know, uh, AJ Anthony Joshua has a lot of options. This is a guy that can go and fight Alexander Povetkin for a title and make twenty million dollars. Povetkin's not an easy fight for Anthony Joshua. Anthony Joshua can also fight Tyson Fury in England. That's not an easy fight for him. He could also uh, fight Dillian White. If Dillian White uh, beats Joseph Parker, he earns a rematch with uh, Anthony Joshua. These are all uh, domestic-type fights, not, not the Povetkin one, but domestic fights that he could fight in England and make more than $20 million a pop. When you turn the tables and you look at uh, Deontay Wilder, who who's he going to fight? Aside from Anthony Joshua, you know, the fight that they're talking about him getting in the ring with is Dominic Brazil. Now, uh, Dominic Brazil, many people don't give him any chance against Wilder. I do. I, I give him a better than, uh, you know, uh, better chance than most people give him. Uh, but, but uh, you know, even if you take his name out of the mix, who who's left? Who Who's he going to fight? Uh, Jarrell Miller, you know, uh, that fat fraud, that cupcake-eating, can't-pass-a-buffet-line fatso, he's going to fight him. You know, it it may be a rematch with uh, Luis Ortiz. I mean, the options aren't as many as there are for Anthony Joshua. Quite honestly, Sal, I think that Deontay Wilder and his team are making a huge mistake. This is their opportunity. They beat Anthony Joshua, and everything changes for this guy. He becomes the guy in the driver's seat. And if he loses, he becomes financially set for— You know what, Sal? The more I talk about it, the more I I just don't understand. This is a no-brainer decision, man. Well, you hit hit it right on the head, Bill, and that's why— I'm having a hard time understanding why this fight's not coming to fruition as we would think a normal fight should proceed along the lines. Um, I I mean, it's right there. It it makes the most sense, the most common sense. It's maximizing the purse for both of these fighters. Uh, Will Deontay Wilder make $20 or so or more fighting anybody else? Not at this time. And I'm a big Deontay Wilder fan. I'm also an Anthony Joshua fan, too. Because he is a credit to the game. He is a good, solid guy. And uh, that's why this fight between these two opponents could be a real mega fight. 
and they 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 have to know that, and their camps have to know that. So I don't know why they're just trying to so-called marinate it or tease the fans or put the drama into the driver's seat and and just not give it its all, saying hey. We've got a contract. It's signed. It's on this date, and this is how the terms are going to be. That's all we need to hear. That's what we're waiting for. And I wish these guys would get together and realize, you know, this is how they can maximize their career earnings right now with a two-fight deal, come back, I mean, a rematch, and no matter who wins. And, uh, I mean, you, you got a chance of making over $50 million. And, you know, you, you can't do that shining shoes on the street. No, and uh, quite honestly, uh, this is uh, the fight for these guys, and it's it's sad and it's a shame. And I tell you another thing, it's uh, one of the one of the other issues I have is the rumor that uh, you know they're trying to put it on that uh, DAZN network that uh, that Eddie Hearn just signed a huge uh, deal with. That's stupid. Just like just like what Bob Arum did to Terrence Crawford by sticking him on ESPN Plus. Is DASN and and ESPN Plus the the way of the future? Of course it is. I predicted that two years ago. I said it. Go back and watch me, Sal. You'll back me on that. I've, I've been talking. I'll back you on I, I've, I've been talking about that for years, and I, and you know, and all of a sudden now everybody's like it's a new idea. No, it's not a new idea, but it's not being done correctly. You can't all of a sudden flip a switch and expect the man to follow what they're trying to do is target a young audience that most likely already has streaming uh, accounts and they're kicking the knowledgeable older audience to the curb which is a mistake but then again maybe it's not because the manipulation process for a younger fan is a hell of a lot easier because these guys and gals believe whatever they see and hear hey listen we're going to take a short break when we come back uh, I want to talk about the fights that took place this weekend. Uh, Clarissa Shields, uh, we had uh, a heavyweight uh, uh, roundup. We got some other fights uh, from on the other side of the pond. I got some emails to read. We got DaxCon coming up in a little bit. All of that uh, is coming up uh, uh, in about uh, two, so don't go anyways. Billy will be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. That's my face. I hate you. I hate you. <laughs> That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us today. And uh, we had some fights over the weekend that I wanted to talk about. And, uh, you know, speaking about uh, Deontay Wilder and his antics, you know, I, I watched the, uh, the fights uh, on Showtime on Friday night with Clarissa Shields uh, and uh, Christina Hammer as the two uh, uh, main events in separate fights and I, I i i can't help but think that clarissa shields has become the deontay wilder of female boxing and the reason why i say this is and i'm not just saying this like because i haven't met clarissa shields i have met her uh as a matter of fact uh when i met her it was uh after she won the first gold medal 
and before she competed in the second Olympics to pick up the second gold medal. She was uh, very respectful, well-grounded, and she was treated like a celebrity from all the other uh, female champions. I was at a, a Women's Boxing Hall of Fame event that we hosted and broadcast, and um, she was a, a very uh, cool young woman, and um, I couldn't help but wish the, great, uh, the most for her. Um, but um, she has changed uh, a lot. And like Deontay Wilder, I think that it's because she happened to have signed on with the wrong promoter and she feels that she needs to do some self-promoting. Uh, after her fight uh, with uh, uh, when she fought um, this weekend against uh, uh, Hannah Gabriels, which was I thought was an entertaining fight, uh, she said, she's the greatest female fighter of all time. I showed who I am. Now I'm really dangerous because you can't even put me down and I still come back to win. Um, uh, she was dropped in the first round. Let, let me just say this. Um, um, Clarissa Shields uh, improved to 6-0 and uh, when she won a unanimous decision over Hannah Gabriels uh, on Friday night, 97-92, twice, 98-91. Uh, Gabrielle's loses uh, for the second time in her career. She's now 18 wins, two losses, and a draw with 11 knockouts. Um, I thought this, the fight uh, was a little closer than those scores. Um, Hannah did drop Clarissa Shields in the first round with a beautiful uppercut. Never was able to Clarissa Shields' credit. She was never able to land another flush uppercut. But what I saw in this fight was I saw that a fighter with hand speed and movement and ring savvy could uh, negate uh, Clarissa Shields' uh, uh, Mike Tyson-esque attack and search and seek and destroy type of a mentality. Um, it didn't work for uh, uh, Hannah Gabriels, but uh, when I look at Christina Hammer, uh, who beat uh, 41-year-old Tori Nelson in a unanimous decision, 99-91 twice, 100-90, to 90, uh, which was a lopsided fight, you know, when I initially, uh, you know, turned off the set, so to speak, and said, geez, uh, I think that Clarissa Shields will beat uh, Chris, uh, Christina Hammer. Um, like I spoke with Dax off, off air last night, I, after I let that sink and I started replaying both fights in my head, I, I started to say to myself, you know, um, maybe not. Uh, Christina Hammer is a, is a, a bigger fighter. Uh, Clarissa Shields is usually fighting smaller fighters. Uh, she's very technically sound. She's got a stiff jab. Um, the only thing that I see, she knows how to maneuver around the ring. The only thing I see as a weakness for uh, Christina Hammer is she does take some shots. Uh, she needs to keep her uh, guard up a little higher, and she's got to be ready uh, for an all-out uh, attack uh, from Clarissa Shields. Two things I want to add, Sal. Uh, one, this event, this, this card on Showtime, was so enjoyable to watch. And I don't know if you guys uh, see this as, as blatantly as I do, but to listen to Barry Tompkins and Steve Farhood and uh, as well as uh, uh, Raul Marquez um, doing the broadcast, um, it was interesting to watch. There was no yelling. There was no screaming. There was no idiot named Mario Morallo, uh on the uh, on the broadcast. It was an it was enjoyable to watch and listen to. Uh, what wasn't enjoyable was as soon as Clarissa Shields' fight ended, 
what I have been saying uh, following my man Coach's sentiment uh, for a long time now. Uh, boxing has become the WWE. No doubt about it. After this fight, uh, we watched uh, Christina Hammer climb into the ring and it was pushing and shoving. And uh, Clarissa Shield says, I'm tired of Hammond disrespecting me all the time. She comes into the ring after my fight. She talks trash. Then she goes in there and looks like crap against uh, Nelson. I'm sick of it, but I let her know that I'm uh, more ready for a fight against her. She wanted me to lose tonight, but I wanted her to win because I want to fight her next. We got to unify. Hopefully it's next. I don't need no rest. I could have fought it tonight. I'm just sick of her and her team. Um, Christina Hammond says I'm really looking forward to fighting Clarissa she will try and fight me on the inside but my footwork and my reach will make the difference the fight with Clarissa will be a game changer it'll be the biggest women's fight ever I would like uh, to fight her at a neutral site um, when I look at these two fighters Sal uh, I see Christina Hammer as the class of uh, women's boxing I see her at being a classy fighter similar to AJ, and then I watch uh, Clarissa Shields uh, act like, uh, well, classless, just like Deontay Wilder. What's your thoughts? Well, again, you have a lot of rhetoric coming from both camps or from one camp because you got to promote yourself. And if the promoters did the right job of, of uh, making or anticipating, you know, the showdown and and stimulate the uh, the uh, the desire for people to see such a fight. You know, it, it, the fighters would have to do less of their antics or less of their their uh, calling other fighters out. Um, you know, hey, it is what it is. Um, I hope they get this fight underway, and I think it'll be a good competitive fight. Uh, but it is what it is. You know, you have same thing happening all the time with a uh, lack of good promotion. And that's what we're faced with this this pool today. I mean, you look back, Bill, you had some stars, some mega mega big time promoters that uh, had it had it all, did what they had to do from grassroots to stellar stellar lights. I mean, it was just the way boxing was and has evolved. I think a lot of promoters today rely on the uh, on the media, rely on other things, and and they lost the the. the the direction on the handbook on the foundation of, hey, here's how you do a good, valuable job in promoting a fighter. You know, it's just a different world today. And, hey, we got to sit back and, and either uh, see how it develops or evolves or devolves and and uh, hold on because it's, it's never going to be the same. No, it's certainly not. And uh, it's a shame because uh... – it's uh it's you know boxing always had a hard time anyway um yeah. and now uh it's just it's almost unwatchable and um you know no discredit to shield she's a, a talented fighter uh, i was more impressed with with gabriel's but uh, I, I, I i think if she um she ran out of gas and i think that if she uh fought the way she did in the first two rounds um she might have gotten to uh to clarissa shields uh, as far as uh, the potential showdown between Christina Hammer and Clarissa Shields, uh, it is a big fight for women's boxing. And uh, I, I believe that the they're both technically sound, two different styles. Um, I want to see the fight. I, I, I haven't been uh, that high on the female boxing lately. Um, you know, I do. I have become a fan of Heather Hardy. I, I, I like her. Um, uh, 
but as far as the two female uh, fighters uh, that I want to see in the ring, it's Shields and uh, uh, Hammer. Some other fights that took place over the weekend, uh, Martin Murray, uh, who was supposed to fight Billy Joe Saunders and uh, uh, didn't, well, he... Uh, uh, won the uh, WBC Silver middleweight title, which is actually the WBC's version of the interim title, uh, after a 12-round uh, uh, unanimous decision over Roberto Garcia. Martin Murray, Murray improves to 37 wins, four losses, and a draw. And uh, Garcia drops to 41-4. and four. Uh, The way the judges scored at 116-111, 118-109, and 118-108. Uh, also, the WBC Super Featherweight champ retained his title. That's Miguel Burchelt, uh, and improved to 34-1 with 30 knockouts when he took care of Jonathan uh, Victor Barrios uh, with a third-round stoppage. 153 was the exact time. Barrios drops to 41 wins, six losses, and a draw. Um, Super Featherweight uh, Miguel Roman improved to 60 wins, 12 losses, and f uh, 47 of his wins coming by knockout when he scored a second-round knockout over previously previously unbeaten uh, Michelle Mar Marcano, who drops to 17-1-1. and one. Um, In the heavyweight division, Tony Yoka, uh, a highly uh, uh, touted heavyweight out of France, uh, improved to 5-0 and oh, all wins coming by knockout when he scored a 10th round stoppage over Dave Allen who was a one time uh, big uh, prospect too uh, he drops to 13 and 4 took place in uh, France uh, in a WBC lightweight elimination fight uh, Josh Taylor improved to 13 and 0 when he uh, defeated former uh, world champion Victor Postal 118-110 uh, 117-110 119 108 uh, Postal drops to 29 and 2 uh, on a uh, fight that, uh, uh, I, I don't know, I, I, I don't know, uh, Virgil Ortiz Jr. improved to 10-0 uh, when he stopped uh, Juan Carlos Salgado with a body shot in the third round. Salgado drops to 27-9 with a draw. Uh, the co-main event on that one, Hector uh, Tanayara Jr. improved to 14-0 uh, when he uh, beat Roger Gutierrez via uh, an eight-round uh, decision. Gutierrez drops to 18 2 and one, uh, the heavyweight roundup uh, looks something like this. Uh, in the UK, uh, a highly touted heavyweight that we've been talking uh, about, Daniel Dubois, improved to eight and zero with a fifth round knockout over Tom Little, uh, who drops to uh, ten and six. Um, Dubois dropped uh, Little with a, a devastating left hook to the body in the fourth round, and then stopped him, finished him off in the fifth. Dubois actually picked up uh, Dubois actually picked up uh, the vacant uh, uh, British uh, boxing uh, board uh, their English uh, heavyweight title uh, in uh, Madrid, Spain. Uh, Christian Thune improved to two and zero with a uh, first round knockout in a scheduled six round fight uh, against David uh, God Chavilli, uh, who drops to twenty one and eleven in Fiji. Uh, Villamon uh, Tagancaro improved to 5-2 and two, uh, when he stopped uh, Isa uh, Naruba in the second round. Aruba drops to 1-1. Uh, one and one. Uh, In the UK, uh, Martin uh, Bacoli Alunga improved to 11-0 and 0, uh, when he stopped D.L. Jones in the first round of a scheduled 10-round fight. Uh, Jones drops to 8 wins, 2 losses, and a draw. Um, in New Hampshire, 
on Saturday. Uh, Nayel Kennedy uh, improved to, a, uh, well, he uh, went to 11 wins, no losses, and a draw when he and Joel uh, Cordy uh, fought to an eight-round majority draw. Cordy draw goes to 7-1-2. and two. On Friday, there were three heavyweights in action uh, in New Zealand. Uh, the most uh, known fighter of the three was Junior Fay. Uh, he improved to 15-0 and 0 when he won a 10-round unanimous decision over Luis uh, Pascual, who drops to 13-2. and 2. Uh, Panu Heliu improved to 10 wins, one loss, and one draw when he stopped uh, Del Rey Robati, uh, who was making his pro debut uh, in the first round of a scheduled four-round fight. Robati drops to 0-1. And, and then uh, Joshua Francis uh, gets his record to go to one win, one loss, one draw when he and Alistar Boyd fought to a four-round uh, split decision draw. Uh, Boyd goes to uh, zero wins, two losses, and two draws. And on Friday in Michigan, uh, Apti Davitav improved to 15 wins, no losses, and a draw when he stopped Corey Phelps in the second round of a scheduled eight-round fight. Phelps drops to 16 wins, 11 losses, uh, and a draw. So that's what took place uh, in fights over the weekend uh, and uh, also specifically in the heavyweight division. Uh, seeing some uh, names that we might see uh, pop up uh, in the near future. Uh, listen, we're going to take a short break right now, and uh, we are going to come back, and Sal and I are going to give you our thoughts on a bunch of emails. we got Dax Khan coming up uh, uh, at uh, 9 o'clock, uh, so we will uh, get some emails done, then get Dax on, and then uh, see if we can finish up the emails before we move on to some other news. Uh, and if we don't get to that, like I said in the beginning of the show, uh, we will. Get to it tomorrow. Don't go anywhere. Billy C will be right back. Now back to talking boxing with Billy C, the only radio host man enough to take a punch from Mike Tyson. Wait a minute, man. Hold, hold, hold on there, Jeremy, man. Uh, I need you to take this one, all right? Wait, what? What? No way. I, I, I and we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us today. Not sure what just uh, took place with our sound system, but uh, we will certainly uh, uh, get on that right now. But uh, in any event, we got some uh, uh, emails uh, to read, and I'm uh, uh, here with uh, my man uh, Sal Rocky Senecola. And uh, Sal, you uh, you hear me okay, right? I can hear you fine. Can you hear me? Of course, I can hear you. Everything is everything is. Uh, <laughs> Uh, everything is good, that's for sure. But, uh, no, I, was I just, hear you uh, fine, I'm just trying to uh, uh, see what's going on here with this uh, sound system that just shut off in the middle of uh, our coming back from break. But in any event, we got our first uh, email, uh, and this one uh, is from uh, uh, my man Jesse. And he says, hey, Billy C. and Sal, it was good action on Saturday night. He's talking about Errol Spence needs to uh, fight soon again. And with this quick uh, knockout, I heard Jesse Vargas is an option and uh, Ioannis Ugas, uh, those are two good fights for Spence. If those two can't make it, uh, then Kavaluskas and Konstantin Ponomarev, uh, how soon should he be back? I think late August or early September, and then late December again. Uh, what's your thoughts on that? I know you watched uh, that fight. Yeah, I like Errol Spence. Errol Spence is, I think he's a complete fighter. I think he, he's only going to get better and better, and... Uh, I think he's one fighter that will let his fist do the talking. And uh, I'm telling you, I, I, see, I see him being dominant in the division 
for a while, and I like him. He can and he can stay busy. He should stay busy. Uh, and I think uh, having him fight at least two more times for this year, I think it'll be great, great for him. You know, I, I really no disrespect to Errol Spence because I'm not going to disagree with anything you just said. Um, but I will say this: um, you know, I don't know, I don't know how much of a gauge we can really uh, put on him with a one-round destruction uh, over an opponent. And to suggest that, you know, he's going to be stuck fighting the Panamarovs, etc., is kind of disheartening because, you know, this is a guy that's talking uh, all the right stuff, saying he wants to fight Thurman, he wants to fight the winner of Garcia, uh, Sean Porter, uh, you know, he wants to fight, uh, you know, all, all the top uh, fighters, you know. And, um, you know, and now with Terrence Crawford, everybody's talking about those two. And, you know, how, how ironic is it that Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford are the two top names in the welterweight division and Keith Thurman, who's, who's clearly been uh, purposely staying out of the ring, uh, is a guy that's being left uh, in the dust, and rightfully so. I, I always wonder when Jesse says, oh, he should fight this one next or that one next. The truth of the matter is, is if he does want to, to, to fight these big fights, then let's get the big fights uh uh, done you know there's no sense in in this marination i mean a, a big fight will uh, create another big fight so you know by these uh powers that be that that you know wait for a specific fight and make the fans wait and you know their theory is to marinate make more money um i, I disagree because there's always another fight that will come out if errol spence fights keith thurman and wins then the next one we want to see him is terence crawford or if he fights terence crawford or if, let's say he fights the winner of uh of uh, danny garcia and sean porter then everyone's okay well let's put him in uh with uh with with Terrence Crawford, or let's put him in with Keith Thurman. There's always going to be another fight, Sal. I don't understand why they they focus and then they'll feed this guy the Pominarovs. And no no disrespect to to that level fighter, but Errol Spence, I think, has proven that he's a, a notch above. So let him fight other notch above fighters, man. Well, I, I agree with you, and and uh, I'll tell you, I think Errol Spence is on the scene. He's here to stay for a while as his career evolves. Uh, I think that he's an excellent fighter. He can get in a ring with anybody. And uh, um, surely uh, Keith Thurman has lost some of the uh, luster that he had because he's been so inactive. But uh, this is how these fights could evolve. This is how these fights, I use that term, the round-robin effect, because what you said is 100% true, Billy C. When a fight occurs, if it's a top-notch, top-level fight, uh, such as a Keith Thurman, Errol Spence, or Terrence Crawford, it, it, it becomes uh, the fight until it's over, and then there's another opponent that evolves from it. You see the loser could fight another opponent. You see the winner could fight another opponent. It's that round-robin effect, as I usually say in a sense, because you'll, you'll see the cream of the crop rise, and you, all of a sudden you have a synergy. This fighter fights that guy. This guy's going to step in, and he's going to fight the loser. He's going to fight the winner. It's, it, 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 it's like a feeding frenzy. That can occur. And when you have a lot of talent, as it looks like we do now have in the welterweight division, all these fighters should be doing that whole thing, fighting, winning, losing, and fighting each other. It's going to be a great, great next couple of months or years if they, if they, if they handled it well. All right, listen, and, and that is what brings, you know, people say, 
You know, when you look at the, listen, a lot of old timers uh, won't want to admit this, but the truth of the matter is, is the fighters of today, the athleticism of the fighters, they're bigger, they're stronger, they're better. Um, but the difference and the reason why we look back at the 80s and prior as great eras in the sport is because they were still fighting each other. And even the 80s wasn't uh, the greatest. Um, you know, they were much more uh, inclined to fight each other prior to that. But that was the last time when the two big names, uh, you know, rise to the top. They end up in the ring against each other. That's something that doesn't happen today. And yep. it takes too long. And, you know, it's all about the money, which I get and I understand and I respect that. Uh, but the, the fans are being played as the saps here. And that's why a lot of the promoters are going towards the younger generations because they're easily conned. I mean, I hate to say it, but it's true, man. They're easily conned, Sal. I mean, you know, uh, don't don't tell... Uh, uh, Nikki or, or Sal, I said that, but uh, but you know it's it's the truth, man. These kids today, they, you know, uh, every generation, every youth, uh, we did it too, and our parents did. It. When you're at a certain age, you basically um, have the world by the you know what's, and uh, too bad you you weren't experienced enough to take advantage of it. That's why we all say, if I could go back and know what I know today and be 25 again, you know, I mean, geez, you know, but uh, anyway. Another email. It's true, though, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> I mean, that's the same thing. I know. I know. Um, my man Mitch, he says, uh, Billy C., let me ask you this. You have Deontay Wilder, who's in his prime. You have Anthony Joshua, Joshua who may or may not have hit his, hit his prime yet. They both fought last. Uh, they both had their last fights in March. If a contract is sent to Wilder and he signs it and AJ signs it, we're looking uh, at a fight in October or November. And then he's got two questions. Would it upset you if the two heavyweights at or near their primes fight coming off eight-month layoffs? Um, and number two, do you think it gives either style an advantage? Um, you know, if you were just asking me, and this is my opinion and we'll get Sal's, if you're just asking me, uh, you know, two top fighters waiting eight months to fight again. I don't like it. I wish that fighters fought more frequently. However, with this particular fight, as long as the fight got made and it was their next fight, I'm not going to argue about the time uh, delay, all right? I mean, you know, beggars can't be choosy, you know? I mean, uh, get the fight signed. I don't care. I don't, I don't care if they made us wait till December, uh, as long as they fight each other next, I'm okay with it. As far as giving uh, a style and advantage, I don't think the time would give either fighter an, an advantage, maybe a disadvantage to Anthony Joshua because he's more technically uh, talented than, than Deontay Wilder. Deontay Wilder, um, you know, his game plan is not going to change. We all know what the game plan is. So, so does AJ, so does Deontay, so does everyone. Now, you know, it's like the, the, the uh, football team, the NFL-style football team, American football team, that uh, says, listen, we're lining up, we're going to run the ball, stop us. You know, I mean, that's the Deontay Wilder approach. I'm going to knock you out, try to prevent it. And so, therefore, the time off for him, 
um, I, I'm not so sure it would affect him in any way, shape, or form. What's your thoughts on on this? Bill, uh, I agree with you 100 on that last uh, last note, and I'll tell you, yeah, we like to see fighters busy, and and surely a, a, an eighth month layoff uh, is a little longer than I think uh, uh, active fighters on top of their game should really uh, wait to get back in the ring for. But um, you know, they're talking about two world class heavyweights, and I think. Uh, if they were to finally get in a ring, uh, I do see from a lack of activity, you know, I don't think it'll hurt Deontay Wilder. Uh, as you suggested, maybe Anthony Joshua, uh, because he is so technically sound and he does everything correctly and everything that I'm going to also say this, it's different when you are still inactive, not with a fight lined up, you're still in the gym, you're still training. You should be anyway. And you're not just just uh, laying back waiting for things to happen. You're still out running. You're still out training. You're still keeping keeping yourself uh, uh, in shape. However, it's a lot different when you have that fight signed, sealed, and delivered. There's that sense of urgency. There's that focal point. There's the guy in the mirror, and there's that that guy that you're going to be ready for. That turns on the juices. That makes it the, the 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 whole thing happen when you have a fight date. Because then you go to camp. And you look to back it out uh, six to eight weeks and see how you're going to do your regimen to make yourself uh, in a peak condition. And uh, so that's the big thing. So I think the activity level of today's fighters and taking the long breaks in between uh, is, is, is a shame. Uh, but uh, a, a good professional who will keep himself in a gym in fairly good shape and then pour it on when, when he's got that six to eight weeks before a fight, he knows what to do. Um, next email uh, is for um, is from uh, Mike B from uh, Massachusetts. He's probably a Patriots fan, but uh, he says, "Hey Billy C, <laughs> I enjoy your podcast." So obviously he's listening on the podcast. He says, uh, "But you couldn't be more wrong. Uh, would it be incredibly stupid? It w- I'm sorry. He says it would be incredibly stupid to put this fight. He's referring to Wilder and Joshua on the same date as Triple G and Canelo." I had said, just to catch you guys up, I had said that it, I didn't think that if, because um, uh, both uh, Anthony Joshua and Team Wilder was talking about, oh, well, now Triple G uh, and Canelo got that September 15th date. You know, we wanted it. We, blah, 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 and I said, I didn't think it would hurt um, their pay-per-views. As a matter of fact, if it was on the same day, I think that uh, Wilder, uh, fighting Anthony Joshua would would <laughs> take over the pay-per-view sales. I think it would hurt Triple G Canelo, especially with all of the stuff. People would be more inclined to, in my opinion, go the other way. But he says, uh, by your own admission, not that many people know who Wilder is. Even less in the United States know who Joshua is, which I disagree with you on that, my man, Mike. Um, 100% I disagree with you on that. Um, he says, uh, this fight would do dismal numbers as an afternoon pay-per-view. It would have to be in the afternoon due to the time difference in the UK. I also think this fight is best served, if in the UK, to kick off the Daznin Network, D-A-Z-N Network. Before I go on, I want to say this. Uh, first of all, the big difference in the UK with uh, the United States is that the fans there don't care what time they have to go to the arena for the fight. So don't be so, uh, you know, don't be so hell-bent on thinking that that fight would be an afternoon fight. 
I could see that fight coming on at 8 p.m. Eastern. What's that? 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 1 o'clock in the morning uh, in, in, the, in the U.K. I mean, these guys are, you know, they're, they're, on, they're only on their 20th pint of beer by then, and that's nothing for those Euro guys, you know. Um, he says, uh, uh, and, and as far as the Dazzin Network, I, I, I guess you don't realize, Mike B., that um, we don't even have that here in the States. You know, this guy must be young. Uh, we don't have it in the States. There's no reason to kick it off on a new network. You know, the most important thing on a big on a big fight is to get as many sets of eyes as possible to watch it. You don't roll the dice with a new network and hope that the masses are going to tune in. I'm sorry. It doesn't work that way. Uh, he says, uh, anyway, to begin with, you're only going to get boxing fans to buy this network, which, by the way, is another mistake. Because the boxing fan is far and few in between. The, the, what makes pay-per-view so successful is when you get the non-boxing fan to buy it. And when the fights are big enough, they do. That marginal sports fan, the guy that's hanging around the water cooler on Mondays that wants to talk about the big sports that took place over the weekend, will buy it. But it has to be a premier matchup, just like this fight would be. Um, he says... the. Uh, I'm a huge boxing fan, but I still wouldn't buy an afternoon pay-per-view. If it was on the afternoon, why? You don't want to sit and watch it? And by the way, if you're talking about having it on the DAZN network, Mike, then you must have the technology to DVR the pay-per-view and watch it at night if that's what you want to watch. I mean, come on. Let's be real. You're you're telling me I'm wrong, but you're not backing it up with any substance here, brother. Uh, He says... uh, uh, I would, however, purchase a streaming service to see this fight. So, so in other words, you'd watch a streaming service in the afternoon, but not a pay per view. Uh, this makes no sense. This guy, the, this guy, must be part of uh, uh, the Dazden Network or something. Uh, uh, anyway, he says Crawford versus Horn was also successful in this regard. I disagree with your assumption that Triple G Canelo Two will do less buys than Triple G and Canelo One. The first fight was hurt by the ridiculous Mayweather fight. The second fight will do at least 500,000 more buys. Joshua versus Wilder on the same date would do less buys than Triple G versus Saunders in August. Don't let your bias affect your common sense. It's beneath you. Um, I, I'm not. And and the truth of the matter is, is Crawford and Horn did not do great numbers on ESPN+. Plus. It, they did not. Okay, that was my hang-up about Bob Arum keeping Crawford out of the public eye. This guy should be a household name. And I think that um, Triple G and Canelo is a good fight. I'm not saying that it's not going to do well numbers. I said that I thought that Wilder fighting Anthony Joshua uh, on pay-per-view, if they needed that date uh, or a week before or a week after that September 15th date, I said it would not hurt their pay-per-view numbers, and I still believe strongly that it would not. The heavyweight division is the premier division in the sport of boxing, and everybody would want to watch this fight, whether they watch the Triple G uh, Canelo rematch or not. Most boxing fans are not going to say we can only afford one fight this month. Uh, What's your thoughts, Sal? I would like to see the fight. Uh, You know, we we do have the Canelo fight. and Triple G on the 15th of September. So, yeah, I would like to see uh, Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua in October or November. I think that would be more suitable and, and uh, definitely give us a little breather and then uh, load back up and say, hey, 
there's another mega big fight. Let's watch it. So I I, I could see that fight, uh, you know, definitely in the uh, following months after the Triple G and Canelo Alvarez fight. Um, I think it'll do very well no matter what. You said it, you know, the mega, mega heavyweights. That's, that's what all eyes are going to be on. I think the Canelo Alvarez Triple G fight will do at least the numbers they did the first time, maybe maybe even a little bit more uh, with all the all the rhetoric that's been going on. I think it's also stirred some some additional interest and frustration, so people will buy from both emotions. Um, I think that uh, you know it's just a matter of, of of seeing these things come to fruition. Um, but the Anthony Joshua Deontay Wilder fight, uh, I do not want to see on the same date of the 15th of September that, that the Canelo Alvarez and Triple G will fight. I don't want to flip a coin and see which will be a bigger draw, even though naturally the heavyweight should. Right. I don't want to see it on the same date, but no. but we have the tech. Listen, most people have the technology to watch both, okay? You can record one and watch the other. If it's about the money, I don't buy that. I don't think it's about the money. You know, I really don't. And and to suggest that you would rather watch it on a streaming service than on, on a, you know, traditional uh, pay-per-view, you know, that the only... Uh, the only way I can understand that kind of reasoning and that thought process is somebody that's already cut the cord with cable and is a supporter of streaming. And I don't have a problem with that. It's just the majority of the people aren't going to do that. If that were the case, no. the cable companies would already be out of business. If the majority of the people cut the cord already and are, are taking advantage of streaming, then the cable companies would have made some moves uh, some would have merged, some would have closed, some would have, I, I mean, uh, I don't know. But anyway, thanks for the email, Mike, from uh, Massachusetts. Um, we got another one. This is uh, uh, from uh, Paul uh, from the U.K. He says, hey, Billy C., I've been downloading your podcast from from the Topical Talk Internet site. Really? I wonder who they are. How have they got my podcast that they're downloaded? I hope they're not charging you for it because we're not making any money on it. But uh, uh, anyway, these are, I've been downloading your podcast from the Topical Talk Internet site in the UK and listening to you uh, for over a year now. I have uh, loved boxing since I was a teenager after I watched a live TV broadcast of Lloyd Honeygan uh, destroying Donald Curry uh, in the mid-'80s. That shocked me, that fight. I was such a big uh, fan of uh, Donald Curry. He says, While, whilst I listen to you, I love the, the Brits, whilst I listen to four other UK boxing and MMA podcasts, yours has always been my favorite as both you and your guests provide a fun and educated side to this great sport, especially from a United States perspective. I've sensed your dispirited view of the current boxing scene these past few months and I personally think that it's more down I personally think that's more down to the idiots on social media rather than those that work in the sport Alibet uh, De La Hoya's recent uh, antics as a promoter mean that he is uh, even now a complete plank that must mean jerk in uh, England <laughs> Uh, this week, uh, with only a Monday show, has left a void. I hope you come back on Monday, invigorated, and find your mojo. Uh, the boxing scene in the UK is going from strength to strength, and I'm delighted that Johnston keeps you guys in the loop. 
I have a young family and my own business, which restricts me from coming over to one of your social weekends. Uh, hopefully one day of your dream coming to London can be fulfilled. And when you do, uh, I'll be here to buy you and Sal a pint. Uh, hey. Yours, a fan from London, England. Paul, thank you very much for thank the you, uh, email. We, we appreciate that. And uh, we, too, hope we uh, get over to England so you could buy us a pint. <laughs> no, well, well, we'll be over there for other things. But uh, uh, anyway, thanks for uh, um, thanks for missing our show for the week, really, uh, because uh, that means something to us. Uh, I got another one here. We'll uh, get out of the way, and then we'll uh, take a break and get back. Actually, I got two. Oh, no, I got, I got three. Um, <laughs> Let's read, man. Yeah. Um, this one's from uh, my man uh, James. He says, hey, Billy, I've been thinking about you all week. I hear what you're saying, too, man. I do. Uh, boxing's going the way of WWE, all glitz and little integrity. Uh, they write rules, then make exceptions for guys like Floyd and Canelo. Then networks axe talent such as Teddy Atlas to make way for polished commentators who have never been in a fight. I don't blame you for wanting to take the ball and go home. Uh, bitch of it is, you're a truth teller. You're one of the few people left shouting the emperor is naked. Uh, another, uh, by the way, for boys and girls, uh, that's another uh, pointing to a book, uh, The Emperor Has No Clothes. So if you've never uh, read that one, I suggest you do. Uh, he says, you're out there telling people how it is. Without people like you, there's nobody left to point uh, out the bullpucky. Uh, that's, a, that's a nice way of saying it. I, I wish my man Larry would use that term. Uh, so I don't get in trouble when he uses the real term. But uh, uh, he says, you probably can't stop boxing's inevitable decline, but you can at least uh, make sure people know what caused it. Perhaps uh, by a shining a light on the subject, you can slow down boxing's descent into the abyss just a little bit. Uh, that ain't nothing. Um, again, I, I, I want to thank uh, James for the for the kind words. Um they're accolades, I believe. <laughs> and if they're not, yeah. I, I didn't get it. But uh, uh, I appreciate it. And uh, just to show my thanks, check out uh, James' website. He does uh, some great stuff with uh, book reviews and, and, and food. Uh, he's got like a culinary uh, section. Uh, he does recipes, stuff like that. Check it out, jameskeister.com. That's uh, james, K-I-E-S-T-E-R.com. Uh, uh, another email real quick. This is from my man, Joel. He says, I'm glad to see ESPN Plus showing some international boxing events. I got to watch Martin Murray against Roberto Garcia, but I wasn't interested in that fight as I was in seeing Daniel Dubois and Anthony Yarde in separate fights on the card. I'm a huge fan of both guys. I think the sky's the limit for Dubois and Yard. Uh, Yarde looks like he's an absolute beast with his power and his ability to cut off the ring. I uh, would like to see him fight an elimination bout, hopefully by 2019, because he's a big threat at 175. Dubois is very young, but I also see him as a major threat in the heavyweight as he progresses and gets more experience. Uh, did you watch these as well? Uh, I got to see the uh, uh, Dubois fight. I didn't watch the Anthony Yarde fight, and I didn't watch the Martin Murray fight. But uh, thanks for the email, uh, my man Joel. And uh, one last email. Uh, this is from Mitch. Uh, he says, here's two for you. Hey, Billy, see, I want your opinion on two things. Hearn sent the contract. I know you were wondering what was taking so long, but Wilder's response should take less time than Hearn took, right? Well, why is Wilder mulling the offer? Um, uh, 
He says, get ready for Wilder against Brazil and, and Anthony Joshua against Povetkin. He shouldn't be. And we talked about that in the beginning of the show. He shouldn't be uh, uh, mulling it. He should have signed it like he said he was, but he's a big bag of wind is what he is. Sorry, Sal, your boy's uh, uh, running from this fight. It's clear and obvious to me. He says, uh-huh. what are your th- – and, and to suggest that the contract – oh, I wouldn't sign that contract. Like rumors are saying uh, Steven Espinosa from Showtime claimed that the contract he wouldn't sign – uh, give me a break. It's it's all it's all smoke and mirrors. He says, what's your thoughts on Errol Spence's comments? He said he isn't interested in Aram Hearn or Golden Boy. His quotes, I feel like basically Showtime is my promoter right now, uh, whose past three fights have been broadcast by Showtime. They're promoting me. They're promoting me, so I feel like I don't have to sign with a promoter. Why, why do I? I mean, I'm fighting on TV. I'm getting the main slots, and I'm basically doing what I want to do, basically without somebody telling me who I got to fight, where I'm going to fight, stuff like that. Uh, basically, my manager comes to me and says, you want to fight here or you want to fight this opponent? And I say, uh, yes, we're in. Everything's been good so far. I'm getting publicized. I've been fighting on TV. My name's been out there. Why change something? Everything's going good. Everything's running smooth. I don't believe I need to change anything uh, or I need to add anybody to my team. What could possibly a promoter do for me that I can't do on my own? I haven't gotten anything from Eddie Hearn. Uh, Golden Boy was pursuing me. Top Rank was pursuing me, but they... Uh, get away from the, my interviews. I don't tell them. I I tell them I don't need a promoter. I'm not looking for one. You know, we're setting a new trend where you can do the stuff without a promoter, and that's just a fact. Everybody feels like when you need a promoter uh, to be a top guy, you really don't. Uh, Mitch says, uh, "Now, Billy, take the promoters. Don't promote like they did back in the day. Out of the equation. He's throwing my own stuff at me. He says, "Let's pretend this is back in the day. Do you buy what Spencer's saying? Because if Crawford." Uh, says ESPN is his promoter, or Lomachenko says ESPN is his promoter, and his potential for Tank Davis says Showtime's my promoter creates a cookout situation where guys won't fight each other unless they're on their own promoter's network. Um, this is a great email, and, and I'll, tell you, I, 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 I tell you, I'll tell you now, and I know we're going over our time. We're going to get Dax here as soon as we take a break. Um, Errol Spence is 100% wrong. Um, and what he's trying to do is like Floyd Mayweather did. Now, everybody knows I was never a big fan of Floyd Mayweather, but Floyd Mayweather is Floyd Mayweather. There's only one Floyd Mayweather. He was successful in doing what he did. Here's why you need a promoter in today's sport of boxing. You need a promoter to do exactly what Mitch said, to get you to fight another promoter's fighter on a rival network. That can only be handled by a promoter. A fighter making all the decisions will eventually get locked out and they will be blackballed in a sense and they will be uh, held to, to fighting mandatories, etc., etc. Um, what a, what I would do if I'm Errol Spence, and I think that, he, you know, as good as he is, I think he's making a huge mistake here. What I would do is I would take a promoter and, and try to get them to offer you a better, less percentage deal than they normally offer and sign with one one of the top ones you know a guy that can guarantee you fights i would i would focus on the guarantee of fights per year uh guarantee of purses per year and i would also uh, throw in there to guarantee some major network coverage that's something that um he needs regardless of what he thinks he's doing and, and I would try to get them to sign me, if I'm Errol Spence, for a less cut than they normally would. And then that's a good deal for him. 
and under no circumstance does he fight another promoter, uh, another promoted fighter, and give up some promotional rights as part of the deal. Those would be the only two little asterisks that I'd put next to it. But Errol Spence should get a promoter, um, and he should be expanding and not just focus on one network. Showtime might be in the driver's seat right now, and they certainly are. But why close yourself off to other sets of eyes? What's your thoughts real quick, Sal? No, I agree. And, you know, the, the, the networks uh, like uh, Showtime, this, that, and everything else, they do a great job with uh, showcasing and, and, and promoting some fighters here and there. But, you know, as you said, there could be – an email was right on. It could be a conflict of interest, and you have two fighters being represented by a network, so, so to speak. You know, it could, could, uh, could bring, be a lot of uh, uh, just a little bit more trouble in the negotiations in the future. So – I think a good promoter, uh, as a good manager, you know, you have to have all the ducks lined up, and and they all have to work with the uh, open communication. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting uh, interesting, interesting email, concept, and yeah. I like it. But uh, listen, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll get uh, Docs, Dax Khan to join us, and we'll get his thoughts uh, on the fights from the weekend. So uh, uh, don't go anywhere. Billy C. We'll be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C Show. Thanks for joining us. And speaking of joining us, uh, joining us right now from all the way. Oh, that's right. He's just in New York. He's my man, uh, Dax Khan. Good morning, Dax. Good morning. But I'm all the way in New York. Yeah. <laughs> hey, listen, before we before we get uh, going to the fights from this weekend and basically repeat what you and I talked about last night on the phone, was uh, this thing about... This last email I got with Errol Spence saying that uh, he doesn't really need a promoter, and and I'm seeing some comments in in the different chat rooms that we have going on right now, and it it seems that they're split. Um, Some people feel that today's fighter doesn't really need a promoter. And, uh, you know, they're, they're saying it's not the 80s anymore. You know, hey, hey, Sal, you know, wake up. It's not the 80s. Um, but, but the truth of the matter is, is I disagree. Um, and, and maybe not a promoter as greedy as they, they have been, um, you know, up to now. But you do need a promoter to, to be a liaison uh, because there's so much division in this sport. You know, if you're not signed with this guy, then you're not fighting anybody that's, you know, signed with him. you got to fight other ones. I, I disagree. What's your thoughts? Did you, did you hear the email and stuff? I did. Yeah, and what's your thoughts? I can understand Errol Spence's position in a way, considering when you look around and you see a lot of these guys that have quite a few less fights than Errol Spence, they're already in the top 10. They're already having this TV time that Errol Spence is getting. And they have a promoter, but, you know, Errol Spence, a guy who 
went with a team, you know, that Heyman team as an advisor that was really supposed to thrust him into that spotlight and get him up where he was quicker really hasn't. And that's because Errol Spence made the mistake that a lot of people made that are with him where, you know, they didn't realize he has so many fighters that he's not really going to be able to focus on me and help me. Now, Errol Spence is saying to himself, I'm else around me thrusting me any further so why should I have somebody else come in there when as he stated and when you read that email when things are going fine but on the other side too you do need a promoter it's just you need the right promoter um, you know a golden boy promotions you're looking at them they're not really going in the direction you like um, whether or not it's a Mayweather they're not doing the direction you like top rank obviously they're focusing on other guys so you look for somebody else maybe somebody like a main events or what I found very interesting was the comment that Eddie Hearn hasn't made an offer towards me. So, you know, it's kind of, uh, you want to read between the lines there. Would you entertain an offer if Eddie Hearn did make one? So Errol Spence, you know, in my opinion, he's doing the right thing, but he's doing the wrong thing because, as we know, promoters don't promote anymore. And would one really benefit him at this moment? Considering right now, the big fights that Errol Spence should be having aren't going to happen. So he's just going to keep getting these mandatories anyway. And if he has a promoter in his mind, all he's saying is they're just going to get a percentage of what, uh, you know, of, of these fights that I'm really not getting much money for. So I got to keep what I can for myself. You know, it, it's a tough situation that he's in. Yeah, but Sal, this is what we're talking about. I mean, to get those big fights against a Keith Thurman, uh, you know, the winner of Danny Garcia, Sean Porter, uh, or, of course, Terrence Crawford, he's got to play ball with these other promoters. And by being an independent, just like Dak said, and, and, and I don't disagree, you know, he'll have a plethora of mandatories tossed in his lap. But does that bring him the money that he could potentially make with some of these other big names that he's going to need a promoter for? And but He's I, not going to get those. No, what do you mean he's not going to get those? He's not going to get those because of Al Heyman. Those guys all have the same advisor, and Al Heyman is not going to put Keith Thurman in against Errol Spence because that's going to devalue Keith Thurman more. And Al Heyman is the guy that's really holding Errol Spence up. And as far as the Terrence Crawford fight, Al Heyman doesn't want to do business with top rank and so on. So, you know, Al Heyman is the guy really, in my opinion, that's, that's the downfall for Errol Spence because Errol Spence, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, still has that advisor um, – relationship with him and so do these other top welterweights outside of Terrence Crawford that would help Errol Spence get this major fight so one way or another it's not going to happen and even with one of these other promoters who can help him get these bigger names other places and help him get on uh, more network time and help him bring up his purses other than that though I really don't think they're going to be able to get him in the ring with a Keith Thurman or a Sean Porter or a Danny Garcia any sooner. Sal before you give me your your thoughts on what I asked you I, I just want to say this you know, everybody's got to stop with, including you, Dax, stop with the Al Heyman because remember one thing, and I don't disagree with what you're saying in theory, but the truth of the matter is, is contrary to what a lot of people thought about Al Heyman, oh, he's going to save boxing, he's good for the fight. Al Heyman is into it for the money. He doesn't care. So Keith Thurman is making him no money. Keith Thurman is not making Al Heyman a penny. Al Heyman gets a cut of all of his, his fighters' purses. That's why he's been more receptive of fighting with, uh, you know, working with other uh, uh, promotional teams uh, than he started out. He doesn't have the he's got he's got the PBC with Showtime. That's it, and he can't keep all of his fighters busy. So I, I get what you're saying. 
but I, I don't buy it. Sal, what was your thoughts on, on uh, what I had asked you? Well, I, I think uh, at that level and for the continuity of one's career, I, I think a, a good, solid promoter will definitely try to get you uh, the biggest fights, the, the, the best purse, and, and uh, you know, because they have a vested interest. You sign with them, they're all going to benefit. So I, I, I definitely see that. You know, it reminds me, you know, hey, when I was with uh, Sylvester Stallone and, and uh, we had a, a great stable of a prior, myself, there was uh, Vinnie Curto from Boston, there was Lee Canalino from uh, Texas, and, you know, and guess who was the shadow of, of uh, Tiger Eye Limited Promotions was Russell Peltz. And Russell Peltz was our promoter, in a sense, uh, with Tiger Eye. And, you know, when, when that relationship was severed, there were other things that uh, didn't come to fruition afterwards that, that I was really on a fast track to, to receive. Uh, you know, it all started with uh, my being on a showcase co-feature with Aaron Pryor as I was his sparring partner. Uh, I was uh, going to fight uh, uh, Johnny DePlessis, who was undefeated at the time from Louisiana. And sure enough, uh, I got a cut the last couple days before sparring. And I had to back out of the fight. And then after that, a lot of things just fell apart. But that was going to be a, a showcase with Aaron Pryor defending his last successful title defense against Gary Hinton, which we prepared for. And, um, you know, I, that was under a promotional uh, agreement. After that, I was kind of bouncing around and, and never had the, the continuity or being kept on track. So I do believe a good, solid promoter who has a vested interest in your 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 uh, your success will do the do what is considered the right thing to maximize your potential earnings because you are gonna give it a promotional uh, outfit or, or or some degree of of, of uh, success or some degree of income as well. Dax, uh, you know what my bottom line, and then we could we got to talk about these other fights. So we're running out of time, but my the bottom line is. You know, in a sense, a guy like Floyd Mayweather, who was successful at doing it his own way without a promoter uh, after he broke off with, with top rank. And by the way, he got to where he was because he had a promoter. But anyway, um, Errol Spence, in a way, because of his success in, in, you know, in the amateurs and then, of course, as a pro, he could do a lot of it on his own. But like I said earlier, maybe the smartest route for a guy like him or any other fighter that comes along that that you know is a commodity like Errol Spence needs to sign with a promoter and just not give up as much as you normally would with a promoter what what do you think absolutely you know that's why you have to shop around um you know that that's one of the things nowadays we see fighters are smarter than they used to be so you have to shop around and um you know get somebody in your corner who may not be a promoter and an advisor, but a businessman who can sit there and uh, work those numbers out for you and say, you know, this is what you would have if you said to this promoter, you know, this this will be the deal. You'll keep the lion's share, and this is how it's going to work out for you. And then, you know, try and go and do your own negotiations. And then, you know, sit back from afar on your own and be smart and just say, you know what, this is the guy that I see working the hardest for his promoters, uh, for his fighters, rather, and this is the guy that, you know, I'm going to try and sign with, and I'm going to try and make that deal with. But, you know, uh, ultimately, that that decision's up to Errol Spence because in boxing, unlike you know other sports, you know it is a um, a, a free agent sport, you know more or less. You know you have to make your own decisions uh, before you sign that contract, and 
uh, you know, luckily in boxing, you can make that as um, a two fight, a three fight, a four fight contract, or, you know, just to see how things work out before you decide to, to jump in bed with that person for a little bit longer. Dax, what was your thoughts on the fights this weekend, specifically Clarissa Shields um, fighting Hannah Gabriels and uh, also Christina Hammer against Tori Nelson? Um, the, the Clarissa Shields against Hannah Gabriels fight was a good fight for Shields. Uh, you know, she was tested. She was, you know, forced to dig a little deep. She um, was knocked down early on. You know, she was surprised. And, you know, she managed to come back and, and win that fight and, you know, in a pretty dominant fashion, though I do think, as we spoke yesterday, she benefits, of course, from that size advantage. And uh, the attitude, the attitude of Clarissa Shields, I can't remember, Bill, Sal, any fighter, including a male, who has had such a quick turnaround of an overall attitude as Clarissa Shields has in these last couple fights, including males, and that is going to be her downfall. I agree, but, you know, similar to, and I think she's the female version of, of uh, Deontay Wilder, I, she really latched on to a promoter that doesn't do anything for her, her with Dimitri Salida, similar to Deontay Wilder and Lou DiBella, and these uh, fighters are, are kind of forced to, to create some interest on their own. Do you think that has anything to do with it? Uh, I know we talked a little about that yesterday, but um, do you think... I mean, another thing we we mentioned, which I think is is worthwhile to bring up, is she's she's on her third trainer. She's got six pro fights. She's on her third trainer already. You know, um, is that someone that is believing her own press clippings, or do you think she's doing it for PR? I mean, what do you think? You've met her. I've met her. She was she was a sweetheart when I met her. Um, what do you think has happened? Absolutely. You know. Um, one thing you mentioned, uh, a problem with female boxing is there's not a lot of promoters willing to um, devote their time and promote these females full time in the United States. So that's more or less how she got associated with Salida. But, you know, uh, Clarissa Shields, her resume looks good on paper. But, of course, you know, when you look at Tori Nelson, Nikki Adler, or Saturday Hannah Gabriels, who's the most accomplished fighter she's faced, um, even Nikki Adler, you know, who was undefeated when they met, Nikki Adler never beat a fighter who had more than eight or nine fights or a fighter with a winning record. Um, Hannah Gabriel, at least she has wins over world champions. Tori Nelson, not really a full-time fighter, despite some of these minor uh, belts that she's had. So, you know, on paper, these women look very impressive, and it's impressive for the female boxing division. But, you know, she is no Vassal Lomachenko in terms of uh, progression as a professional from the amateur rankings. With that being said, of course, you can't blame Clarissa Shields. You know, she can only fight who's available out there. But, you know, this negative attitude and why? Because she has the wrong people in her ear. You know, maybe off camera, she's the same girl that, you know, you and I met and a lot of people fell in love with because I know that she has worked out with uh, fighters like Chris Cyborg from MMA. Uh, you know, Chris Cyborg is not a girl, a woman who's going to sit there and take an attitude like that, cockiness from anybody. Why? Because she doesn't have to, because she probably is truly the most dangerous and fierce fighter in all of uh, contact sports when it comes to females. And I know that uh, Clarissa Shields uh, looks up to her quite a bit. But, you know, when you got people around you like the Darrell Brown, Brothers. And, um, you know, you really you come to ring with them, to the ring with them. You know, Clarissa Shields was seen at the first Andre Durrell and Jose Uzakadui fight laughing when the uncle sucker punches Jose Uzakadui. This does not look well in front of the camera. But, you know, she's 23. This is a lot of immaturity. You know, she needs to stop calling herself the greatest female fighter of all time. Because you're not the greatest female fighter of all time because you haven't accomplished anything. There's a lot of fighters out there, whether or not it's a Holly Holm, whether or not it's a... Um, 
whether or not it's Cecilia Brackett, whether or not it's Christina Hammer, whether or not it's uh, Layla Ali. They've all accomplished a lot more than you have. You know, Claresha Shields is riding high on this, uh, these two gold medals, which she should. But she needs the right people inside her ears, Bill. And she needs the right people inside her ESL because she has major competition if she wants to be the face of boxing. And that's not somebody she's going to meet inside the ring, Bill. We spoke about this yesterday. Her major competition is Katie Taylor, another Olympian who also has several world titles, who benefits not only from a fan following here in the United States, but in Europe. But Katie Taylor composes herself in a different manner. She'll steal these fans away from Floresha Shields. And as Cecilia Brackhouse, who has said recently that she only has one or two fights left in her before she's going out the door, female boxing is looking for a new star. It's hot right here in the United States. And if Claresha Shields keeps up with this behavior and this uh, lack of uh, opponents, lack of a talent pool of opponents that she has inside that ring, these fans that came to her because of this backstory, and she has a fantastic backstory, and she overcame a lot, and she did make history being the only U.S. Olympian to win two gold medals back-to-back in the Olympics, Claresha Shield can actually blow this all because of her attitude. Right now, her biggest fight is maturity, in my opinion, because if she doesn't mature soon, Claresha Shield is going to be yesterday's news before she's today's front page news. I tell you what, I wish Heather uh, Hardy had the skill set of Clarissa Shields because uh, she that's what female boxing needs. But let's just look real quickly at the showdown between Clarissa Shields and Christina Hama. I told you last night, and I actually mentioned it earlier on this show, that when I first watched uh, both the fights and walked away when they were over, I said to myself, Clarissa Shields will beat Christina Hama. But the more I thought of it and the more I spoke with you about it, um, you know, by the time I spoke to you about it, I should say, I, I couldn't help but give a really close comparison with Christina Hammer to Vladimir Klitschko and the style, that stand-up style, that, that, that you know, refined boxing ability, the, the jab, uh, the ring generalship, etc. And I think if she could just tighten up her defense a little and expect the onslaught of uh, uh, Clarissa Shields, which she will definitely get from her, um, I think she could outbox her. I think she could control this fight and I think that uh, she could end up beating uh, Clarissa Shields via a, a decision. But I think one critical aspect of this fight, I think I have to agree with Christina Hammer. I believe that this fight should be on neutral ground. What's your thoughts of the fight itself when it finally happens? Um, I... Uh, remember, Christina Hammer has been a world champion a long time. The professionals are new to Claresha Shields. Uh, as far as the neutral ground, um, that would be pivotal for Claresha Shields to win because, in my opinion, what we see with Claresha Shields is a lot of nervous energy inside that ring where she's trying too hard to put on this fantastic show for this hometown that comes to see her. And, you know, Claresha Shields, she gets sloppy because of that. Uh, Christina Hammer is very technical, but Christina Hammer, too, does not like to fight in close, and she doesn't really like to get hit. We've seen that inside her, her fight with uh, Anne-Sophie Matisse. Christina Hammer, when she got hit inside, you know, she kind of sold that fight, in my opinion. We spoke about that again yesterday. Also, Claresha Shields, you know, uh, you mentioned a few minutes ago about the changing of the trainers. Now that she's with John David Jackson, John David Jackson is a calming, um, he has that calming um, 
demeanor in the corners. We've seen that when he was with Kovalev. So John David Jackson, if things work out with Claressa Shields, he could be a pivotal role in that as well, keeping Claressa Shields relaxed inside that corner and having Claressa Shields work behind her jab. With her size and her overall natural boxing ability, I think that Claressa Shields, if she uses her jab, not only can she outbox Christina Hammer, but I think she can actually stop Christina Hammer because Christina Hammer doesn't like to get hit. And as you mentioned, she gets hit a lot, but she also goes back to the ropes. So Claressa Shields, she mixes it up. She can walk away with that win and she can take that next step. But the fight is there for, uh, for Claressa Shields to lose. And definitely, I think if it happens inside of Germany, Claressa Shields never gets, is never going to win on the scorecards because Christina Hammer is not only a big star in boxing, but she's just a big star in uh, pop culture over there in general. She's a model. She's on magazines. You know, they, they don't want to see that. Uh, they don't want to see anything happen to, you know, to their fighter over there because that's a moneymaker. In my opinion, Claressa Shields, Christina Hammer is the fight to make. But, you know, in my opinion as well, as I stated before, Claressa Shields, she needs to mature. That fight never may happen because Christina Hammer doesn't need Claressa Shields. Claressa Shields needs Christina Hammer. You know, the funny thing is, uh, before we let you go, Dax, the funny thing is, is it was Christina Hammer who said that the fight should be on neutral ground. Suggesting that it does not have to be in Germany, where I agree with you, and most people would agree that even Clarissa Shields here in the States, specifically Detroit, would get the nod. Um, the one other thing I wanted to just throw there out there is you're right, Christina Hamm has been a champion for a long time. She's, she's really, in my mind, more of a face for female boxing than Cecilia Bracus. Um, because, you know, she's, she's bigger, she fights tougher fights. But she's still not even 30 years old. I, I was shocked to see that. For some reason, I thought she was, I think she's only 27 or 28 years old. So uh, she's been doing it a long time, and it certainly showed in the ring on, on uh, Friday night. Yeah, she, I think she's 29 years old, but yes, um, as, as you stated, you know, she's been doing this for a long time. Remember, when we were with uh, a certain sanctioning body, she was a champion when we were there, you know, uh, uh, doing interviews and helping uh, promote her then. And it seemed like then she was in her 30s. So she has been around a long time, and she's not aged. So uh, the, she has that ring maturity. It's a, it's, a, it's a great fight to happen. I hope it happens. It would be a mega fight if they could have Christina Hammer and Claresha Shields with uh, Katie Taylor on the undercard, maybe get a Heather Hardy inside there. Uh, Maybe the Heather Hardy and um, Shelly Vincent rematch that would that would be huge for all these female fighters, and that would really bring it to the next level. I hope it happens, and I really hope Claressa Shields gets it together and gets a, a, a better team behind her because she's a likable girl. You know, she has a million dollar smile, and it's all out there for her. You know, she definitely can be the face of boxing right now. Which just you know, she just has a bad team around her, unfortunately. I agree, Dax. I appreciate your time. We'll look forward to you later in the week. All right. All right, everybody, enjoy the day. Take that's, care, Dax. That's Dax Khan uh, and uh, Sal. Uh, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, I got some stuff I want to talk about real quickly to get people ready for what we're going to be talking about tomorrow. And I, I think one of these topics are not going to shock you, so uh, don't go anywhere. We'll be back in two. Billy C will be right back. Now back to talking boxing with Billy C, the only radio host man enough to take a punch from Mike Tyson. Wait a minute, man. Hold, hold, hold on there. Jeremy, man, uh, I need you to take this one, all right? Wait, what? What? No way. I, I, I can't do this. Need I remind you I'm Billy C., damn it? Now put on that mustache and get in there. Hey, hey, look at me. I'm Billy C. <laughs> Crap. The undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. It's Talking Boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. 
And we're back. You're watching and listening to The Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, I'm here with my man, uh, Sal Rocky Senecola. And uh, Sal, um, we uh, uh, tomorrow I want to talk about uh, a couple of things. One of them uh, being uh, Manny Pacquiao. Manny Pacquiao is scheduled to fight uh, in July. And there's a lot of rumor that uh, the fight might not take place. Uh, we'll talk about that tomorrow, but what do you think? Well, I'll tell you why. Like I always said, Bill, I, the only fight I wanted to see Manny Pacquiao do, and I can't believe I'm going to say it, was what he professed he wanted to do, is that's to come back and face Floyd Mayweather again. And whatever reason never occurred, we, we uh, will never see it. So uh, I, I don't know why he, he's still fighting and uh yeah, like I said, the last thing he needs to be remembered as is fodder for these young bucks coming up. And uh, I think he's a champion. I think he's a world-class Hall of Famer and uh, a, a fantastic fighter. He was a great, great champion, and uh, I, I want to remember him like that. Yeah, we'll talk about that tomorrow. We also have, uh, uh, speaking of Floyd Mayweather, yet another fighter who uh, is uh, kicking Mayweather promotions to the curb because – um, lack of fights and the fact that you know you got to kiss uh, Floyd's arse, and also um, we're going to give you an update on the uh, fighter that was found guilty of uh, racketeering, wire fraud, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and got sentenced what? up to forty years in prison. We'll talk all about that tomorrow. Wow. Um, yeah, some some cool stuff uh, to chat about tomorrow. <laughs> um, but I want you guys to. Uh, uh, take some time and, and drop us an email specifically concerning the Deontay Wilder, Anthony Joshua potential matchup and why you don't think it's happening. Who's to blame? We've been talking about this for months now. And um, just like we talked about Triple G and Canelo, it came to a head. It imploded. Then all of a sudden it came back and the fight signed, sealed, and delivered. Is that going to happen? Is Anthony Joshua... Uh, the guy who's to blame, him and Eddie Hearn, or is it Deontay Wilder? Uh, you know, personally, uh, Anthony Joshua's got so many more options. Uh, Deontay Wilder's a fool not to take it. He's in a win-win situation, even if he loses the first fight. Uh, what's your thoughts? Drop me an email, and we'll discuss it on tomorrow's show. Or you can always give us a super chat, you cheap bastards. But uh, anyway, drop me an email, Billy at Talking. Boxing. That's T A L K I N B O X I N G uh, dot com. We had a trivia question going for a while, um, and uh, the question was: What was the biggest height difference between two men in the same division for a world title fight, excluding the heavyweights? And uh, I gave some uh, credit. I mean, I gave some hints, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Well, we finally got a winner, Sal. My man, uh, my man, no, you didn't get it right. But my man uh, Norris, uh, he knew that Jacob Metalia, who was four foot ten and a half inches, challenged Dave McCauley for his world flyweight title. McCauley was five foot seven. Therefore, the difference in height was eight and a half inches. So, congratulations to uh, Norris. Uh, he won his own copy of the Title Bout Championship computer game. Uh, I appreciate uh, all the answers, even the wrong ones. Uh, so uh, I have a new one. And by the way, McCauley defended his title. He won uh, by stopping Jacob Metalia 
uh, via a 10th round knockout for FYI. Here's today's uh, trivia question. We have another copy of the title bout championship computer game, the giveaway. Now, I'm, before I read this question, I just want you guys to know that it's a lot harder than it's going to sound, okay? So it's one of those uh, trick questions. Everybody know, thinks they know this answer. Name the only retired heavyweight champions that beat every fighter they faced. Name the only retired heavyweight champions that beat every fighter they faced. If you're the first one to email me the correct answer, Billy at Talkin Boxing, that's T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com, you'll win your very own copy of the Title Bout Championship computer game. The same game that uh, Alex Perpali does our uh, simulations on our Blast from the Past, which incidentally this week's Blast from the Past is former world heavyweight champion. This may be a hint, but then again it may not. Tim Witherspoon. So uh, now normally I ask Sal for his answer, but I'm not because I know he's going to answer one of the answers correctly, and I don't want to uh, have to give you guys a hint sooner than I have to. So uh, I'm not going to give you that chance, even though I know who you're going to say, and that is one. <laughs> it's kind of a long. You know it's, what? It's I was going to say I'm going to get the right answer. No, I, I know, I know, but uh, but anyway. Uh, on this day, June 25th in boxing history, in 1930, Maxie Rosenblum wins a 15-round decision over Jimmy Slattery to win the vacant world light heavyweight title. It took place in Buffalo, Buffalo, New York. Uh, on this day in 1966, Ki-Soo Kim wins a 15-round decision over... Nino Benvenuti to win the world junior middleweight title took place in Korea. On this day in 1981, Sugar Ray Leonard knocks out Ayub Kalui in the ninth round uh, to win the WBA world junior middleweight title took place in Texas. On this day in 1917, Ted Kid Lewis wins a 20-round decision over Jack Britton to win the world welterweight title, and that took place in Ohio. Jack Britton is one of the greatest fighters that ever fought, and a lot of people forget uh, who he is. Um, on this day in uh, 1977, Antonio Corventes knocks out Carlos Guiminguez in the sixth round to regain the vacant WBA World Junior Welterweight title that took place in Venezuela. On this day in 2005, Floyd Mayweather Jr. knocks out Arturo Gotti in the sixth round to win the WBC World Junior Welterweight title, and that took place in Atlantic City, New Jersey. And on this day in 1989, Chiquita Gonzalez wins a 12-round decision over Yul Wu Lee to win the uh, WBC World Junior Flyweight title, and that took place in Korea. And no, wait, there's more, because on this day in 1948, Joe Lewis knocks out Jersey Joe Walcott in the 11th round wow. to retain his World Heavyweight title, and that took place in New York City. After this fight, Joe Lewis announced his retirement, but we all know that he did come back. But uh, in any event... Uh, hey, listen, that's what took place on this day in boxing history. I just want to say it's uh, good to be back. Uh, we did take some time off. We are scheduled uh, to do a show uh, every day this week, but Friday. We are still in the uh, off on Friday uh, mode. So uh, uh, all I could say is this. Make sure 
You tune in tomorrow morning. Same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby. Da na 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 na